Hi everyone, it's Cullen here with a quick programming note for this week's episode. This episode was recorded live from a boat. We were lucky enough to be on the Joko Cruise 2020, which is kind of like a big floating nerd boat. And uh, we got to do a live episode of the Annie Monday podcast there from the Explorer's Lounge. Uh, It was a really fun time, and uh, we were so distracted that we kind of forgot to start the recording right away. So uh, this week's episode, of course, is on Kaguya-sama, Love is War. And so basically all that we're missing is Kayla and I introducing ourselves and introducing the concept of the show. We hope you enjoyed this live episode, and uh, we look forward to hearing your feedback. Thanks. the record button that would be nice oh, no. uh yeah we'll fill that in later <laughs> love is war started as a manga series in 2015 and it has 17 volumes so far and it's still ongoing as of december of 2019 the manga had over 9 million copies in print which for japan is pretty good yeah it's quite a few uh, there are also a couple of spin-off manga series based on kaguasama And the anime adaptation of this property, which is what we watched, is fairly recent. It uh, aired in January of 2019, and season one wrapped up just about this time last year. So uh, as of last week, they actually announced uh, season two is coming in April, so next month. You can look forward to more of this. Finally, and this happens more often than you would think, uh, there was a live action adaptation of this brand new anime series that premiered in September of 2019. Uh, I have no word on if that's any good. <laughs> no, I haven't They're looked into it. They're usually not. Uh, we watched the first four episodes, and uh, we'll try to avoid major spoilers. Um, this one's pretty straightforward, so I don't think we'll have any issues with that, but uh, we'll be talking about those first four. Kayla, would you like to give us a synopsis? Everyone agrees that high school president Miyuki Shiragane and vice president Kaguya Shinomiya would, be, would make a perfect couple. But when it comes to the battlefield of love, confessing your feelings puts you at a clear disadvantage. Who will come out the winner in this game of love and pride? All right, so uh, with Kaguya-sama, love is war. Uh, so far, we've only encountered really three characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also almost n- no through plot line. No, each episode is broken up into three short vignettes that some some short little event happens, usually some internal battle between right. the two of them, and then you know that kind of ends, the next one starts. Yeah, and that kind of explains why when we rolled the show previously, you had to read three very different long titles. Yes, it was awful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like you said, the show kind of just gives you a basic setup and then blasts right on through. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, an immediate six-month time skip at the very beginning of the show. Yeah, it seems like they go like, hey, we heard this rumor that we're dating six months later. Now we'll get started and like actually hang out. And as far as that kind of initial setup for the show, it's pretty kind of cliche anime stuff. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. Uh, in, in a good way. Sure. Let's <laughs> check this off. Okay. Student council president mm-hmm. and vice president. Mm-hmm. High school kids. 
rich kids at a uh, an elite school called Shushin Academy. Uh, these people are super popular and very good at academics. And everything. And they're beautiful and popular. <laughs> so that's a lot of anime. Yeah. That's most of it. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of our two main characters? Yeah, so Miyuki is the high school president and he um, he is like really reserved and kind of intense. Um, so a lot of what you hear in the background about this character is that he's the number one in the class or even in the school maybe. Um, he's really popular and um, he, he seems overly concerned with people looking down on him. I don't know if that's because he doesn't come from wealth or maybe mm -hmm. less wealth than Kaguya, but he, he frequently is concerned that she's gonna you know, look down at him and be like, oh, that's cute. Yeah, he's actually kind of uh, a little bit of a, a different type to go to this school. Most of the other people do come from powerful, wealthy families in this show. And so the only reason really that he has been put into the president position is because he is super good at school. Um, and kind of the contrast to that is uh, Kaguya, the uh, titular character. Uh, what we're talking about with Kaguya is kind of an indication of how over the top this show is. Because the very first thing we learn about her is that her family is worth 200 trillion yen which is equivalent to about 1.8 trillion USD. Which doesn't exist. That's not a thing. Uh, <laughs> so immediately, right off the bat, you're, you're seeing like these, these characters who are over-exaggerated in every kind of conceivable way. Yeah, and it seems like with Kaguya, she's won every award possible. Mm -hmm. Like part of their background on her is the screen just starts filling up with all of her awards until the whole right. screen is overtaken by everything that she's done, which is, you know, athletics and school and, you know, just everything, everything. Right. Um, I think kind of the most interesting thing, though, because the characters themselves are pretty st straightforward. There's not a whole lot of meat there. But I think what we've seen in the show is that the connection between them two is kind of like its own thing. Yeah, I would say it's it's its, its own separate kind of entity in it in and of itself. And I think that's because we don't see them outside of this room. So they're always in the student council room and we very rarely see them do anything outside that that space, but we know that they have lives because I mean, he's the top student in the school. So he has to be studying, he has to be going to class, he has to be doing well. But we don't see that. And same with Kaguya, you know, she, you know, is very successful in all the athletics that she does and she's really popular, but we don't see any of that. Mm -hmm. Everything that we see happens in this room with just the two of them. So the focus is really on their relationship. Right. Uh, yeah, and, and kind of because of their relationship being so tied to that student council president, vice president relationship, Everyone else at the school just kind of assumes that they're together, even though uh, there's no direct indication of that. And um, yeah. Except for maybe the third character in this show, which is Chica. Yes. I can't tell if she's just completely oblivious to the fact that these two maybe are into each other. Sometimes it's hard to tell. 
or if she just doesn't care and she's just like these are my friends and they're also on the student council with me so mm -hmm. we're just gonna hang out and have good times yeah uh, Chica to me is kind of the the relatable character which is weird to say because she is kind of the stereotype anime person yes. uh, especially in her appearance and in her behavior is very anime over the top yeah she's really playful uh, but I think what Chika does really well for this relationship between Kaguya and Miyuki is that um, because Miyuki doesn't have some of the same like family background that the other characters do, he can be pretty unrelatable to the rest of them. And Chika, despite her family also being wealthy and powerful, is, does not have the mannerisms of someone like Kaguya. No, she seems to be like a social chameleon. She can get along with just about anyone and doesn't really seem to care, you know, if they come from wealth or not. She's just, you know, she's just there to enjoy people. She's, so I, I see her as kind of like an in-between between, between uh, the two characters of being relatable to Miyuki, but also having knowledge of wealth and power and all of that stuff. And I think she's so important for the show because she isn't trying to like get them together or keep them apart or anything she's just kind of there to lighten up some of the intensity between the two right, of them right. because she like i said she's very playful and um she is a lot of the humor in the show like some of it's just from the ridiculousness of the situations but a lot of it is also from her inserting herself into their intensity without realizing what's happening yeah, yeah exactly Anything else uh, you want to talk about with those characters, the three we've kind of met so far? No. <laughs> uh, I would like to talk about one more character who's kind of a, a more unnamed sort of entity, and that is the narrator. Mm. Because in this show, the narrator ser serves a, a pretty important role uh, in that the kind of premise for the show is that these two characters are in a battle together, quote-unquote. Uh, but this battle is never explicitly stated by the characters. They each kind of individually acknowledge that they would like the other person to admit their feelings, but they never say, like, I'm winning this fight, and stuff like that. Uh, instead, it's the narrator who's kind of driving all of that tension. Yeah, you had kind of told me before it sounded like a, like a WWE-like announcer. Yes. <laughs> yeah, very much. Um, it definitely comes across as, like, color commentary to me because um, I don't know at the end of every like vignette the narrator is announcing this person won because they got you know they pulled this move on the other person and stuff like that yeah but winning doesn't always seem to indicate like somebody's like acknowledge their feelings it's just like they got the upper hand right. in this scheme or sometimes just something really sweet happens, like it's a really nice episode where everyone just gets along and everyone wins in those. <laughs> yeah. I think the narrator really works in this circumstance because sometimes with anime you get characters who like give a lot of exposition for no reason and then you sit there and you're like, nobody talks like this. Like people don't just sit there and explain every single part of their lives and everything that they're thinking out loud when nobody else is actually listening. Well, says you. <laughs> okay, I don't. Uh, maybe you should get that checked out. Um, but the narrator really does that for us in a way that we kind of get put in the position of the narrator, and I think that makes it like really enjoyable in a way that 
um, can sometimes be a little cringy when you're watching high school romance, you know? And so True. this, I think, makes it like, you kind of get that vicarious like, are they? Aren't they? I don't know. Oh my gosh, what is happening? And the narrator's joining you in that, and I, I think that works and for the show. Right. Yeah, and I think it's especially kind of comparable to wrestling because you wouldn't normally see in a wrestling session that all the characters would just get up into the ring and start blabbing at each other for 30 minutes. Uh, they do some of that, but eventually there's going to be an actual fight that has to happen. And when the fight is happening, the narrator is the one, the color commentator is the one who's having to add in the kind of sitcom elements and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think that brings to life a lot of the more day-to-day -day stuff that we see from them. You know, things like if you just saw it presented to you, you probably wouldn't think much of what's happening. But because of the narrator, it kind of adds you know, all that flavor to it that is like, oh, this is a much bigger deal than, you know, what's seen on the surface. Yeah, right. So usually, this is where we also take a break for ads, but we're live, so we're not going to take a break. Just going to power through. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this next kind of session, we talk about the animation quality, the character designs, production value of the show. So where do you want to start our conversation with that? Uh, I think generally uh, we kind of like to talk about character design stuff before going into the more kind of technical side of the animation production stuff. Uh, so I, I only had a few notes and maybe we want to just kind of talk about uh, the two main characters and Chica and, and how they appear in the show, what makes them interesting. Yeah, if we want to start with Miyuki, um, this character design kind of confuses me because he sort of looks like a villain. Um, usually with we'll be right back uh, after this short break. male characters, like if they're like evil in some nature, they'll have something kind of like under their eyes, usually bags or something. And this character has that. And so when I first saw him, you know, I, I was thinking of, we recently watched Toradora, and that character also has like really intense eyes, and that's kind of like a center of his character design. And and Miyuki reminds me of that. He has this like weird intensity, and I but I think it's supposed to be from tiredness. Right. Uh, so I think in Toradora, they, they say it's something like he has family history with the Yakuza, and that's why people kind of see him or, and are afraid of him. Yeah. Uh, with Miyuki, it's actually that he's super popular because he studies all the time, <laughs> and so he looks tired. He looks super, super exhausted constantly. But apparently still handsome enough to constantly get affection from yep. lots of females at the school. Right. Uh, yeah, so Kaguya is kind of the opposite. Um, even her color scheme is uh, totally opposite from Miyuki's because he's very like pale, he has blonde hair, and she has this like dark, dark black hair, red, red eyes, and she definitely looks evil. For sure. And they play that up on purpose. There are times when they intentionally make her look like she's possessed or that she's literally about to murder somebody. Yeah, I specifically wrote down, Kaguya looks just a little bit like there is a slight potential that she might turn out to be a serial killer. <laughs> I believe it. Uh, she kind of reminds me of, of characters from um, certain like horror anime. I'm even thinking like the character from Blood Sea and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, 
who can have a really nice kind of, uh, you know, affable persona, but also when she glares at you, <laughs> you are probably in trouble. Yeah, and they point that out too. There's one episode that uh, I think of like where she's wearing cat ears and everybody's like, she's so precious, look how cute she is. And then I think in the same episode, but different vignette, she's, like glaring at somebody and they're like, I'm going to die. She's going to kill me. I'm sure of this. Yeah. Not confirmed to be a Yandere, but <laughs> there's potential. Maybe. Um, I think Chica in this regard is the most anime out of these characters. Like she has this long pink hair. She's very, very bubbly. And everything about the way that she's designed, she just looks like, you know, anybody, if you say like, oh, do you know what anime looks like? You, it would be Chica. That's that's what she looks like. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't. That's all I wrote for Chica. <laughs> She's got a bow tie in her hair that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's right up in the bangs. I was gonna try and do it, but I couldn't figure out how. Yeah, I I don't know if there's some kind of magic clip behind there, but it doesn't really kind of physically work. No. Uh, I think something that's important to note about the show. We kind of touched on it before is that um, there's not a whole lot of scenery that goes on. Like, they're in this one room all the time. And so all of the animation that you see is driven by the character. So any action sequences, anything that is kind of moving is the characters. And I think that's really important to point out because I think a lot of times shows rely on things happening outside of the characters to move the story forward or for the characters to react to, and the show kind of does the opposite. The characters are reacting because of what's happening within them and not because of what's happening outside of, you know, in, in their background. Right, and something I noticed kind of about the animation styles for the show is that they use various techniques to overemphasize things. Uh, one of the kind of focal points of the club room where they spend the majority of the show is a very, very large conference table with like benches on either side of it. And it's, it's large on its own when you see it in proportion to the rest of the room. Uh, these benches hold like five people on each side, so uh, it's, it's a large table, but there are certain scenes where to like overemphasize the distance between two characters, uh, you know, metaphorically, uh, they will kind of extend that table to almost infinite lengths. So there's a scene where uh, both characters desperately need some source of sugar mm -hmm. at a particular time. And so they see a sweet bun on the table and both of them try to leap for it. And despite the fact that the table is, you know, maybe a few feet wide, uh, it turns into an entire like battle sequence where they're rushing over the table and like crawling over each other and trying to uh, reach that goal. Yeah, and then Chica just grabs it. Yes, <laughs> uh, bringing kind of the viewer back to the reality that this table is like super tiny yes. and you could just reach out and pick up the sweet bun. Yeah, I think they also do really fun stuff with the animation in the intro and outro. Um, the intro is just really colorful, and uh, I think the word you've used before is psychedelic. A little bit, yeah. Um, which I love. I think it adds a lot of playfulness to the show that shows, like, okay, this is, this is going to be like a comedy, this is going to be a lot of fun, um, and even though the lyrics are saying love is war, um, 
you can see that there's this playfulness with it that is not so intimidating. <laughs> right. Uh, but in that same intro, all of the characters are holding weapons of various kinds and pointing them at each other. <laughs> I mean, it is war. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, in the in intro stuff, there's, like, uh, kind of silhouettes of the characters will get stretched across the screen, uh, specifically the two main characters, and in each kind of iteration of the character, you'll see them holding, like, a knife, or some medieval, like, morning star, <laughs> or a gun. Mm -hmm. Which is unusual how much guns are shown in the intro, because guns aren't, like, very common in Japan, at least not with, you know, high school students. And not, not legally. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they they do show it a lot in that intro. Yeah, and obviously they don't use those, like, in the actual show. It's no. just kind of to even further push the, the metaphor of the battle happening. Yeah. Um, I think you also wanted to talk about some of the outros. Uh, I do. Um, I think the, the kind of... This show, uh, we've seen several different outro animations, actually. Uh, one of them is just kind of like a straightforward, it shows the characters and they're like in a biplane and they're flying around and I don't quite understand it. it it's if the show took place in a fantasy world. Yeah, right. She sprouts wings, you know, the standard anime stuff. Uh, but the other one that I want to talk about, which showed up in one episode kind of randomly, and if you've been on the internet and looked at anything anime-related in the last year, you might have seen this. It is uh, just a kind of plain scene where you see Chica alone in the club room, and a weird kind of J-pop song starts playing. And she gets up, and she starts dancing. Except that it's rotoscoped. Which we've seen before. We've had one show that we watched. Tribe Cool Crew. Mm -hmm. That was a lot of rotoscope. Yeah, that was not uh, good. It was like a combo of rotoscoping and uh, mocap yeah. stuff. Uh, it was also a much lower budget kind of show for <laughs> kids. Yes. So uh, this one is is kind of strange because it does come up very suddenly and it's very different than the animation style for the rest of the series. Yeah, it was, while it was still very good, it was kind of hard for me to watch because it, it just doesn't look like traditional anime, but it doesn't look like, you know, we've, we've talked before in shows about how when CGI or something suddenly comes in, you're like, oh gosh, like that didn't blend well at all. Mm -hmm. This does blend really well, but that's what's weird about it is because it's like, ah, this shouldn't look right, but it does. And so now it looks wrong because it actually looks good. Yeah, it's the simplest things like when she is moving around her clothing, her clothing, I don't know why I said that, <laughs> very weird. Her clothing will like move extremely naturally, mm -hmm. like kind of in a disturbing way. Yes. And same with like her hair and stuff like that. Yeah, so it's, it's pleasant to watch, but if you watch a lot of anime, it'll just be a little jarring. Yeah. Uh, I think if I had anything else to say about production kind of elements, uh, because they are so limited in the scope of the environments of where this show takes place, they tend to use a lot of uh, post-processing kind of stuff and, and weird kind of different anime techniques to render scenes. Uh, one that I noted was that quite frequently they'll use like a, a VHS sort of filter on top of the scenes. And I can't really discern any reason that they've done so. It kind of just seems like they found a VCR VHS plug-in 
and we're like, this thing is cool, let's put it on everything. <laughs> I mean, that happens. Uh, and then the only other thing, I guess, would be that for the intro animation, uh, they do this thing that I'm not a huge fan of, but it's really popular in this kind of anime series, and that is short looped sequences in time to a music track. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense when you're watching it, but sometimes, you know, sometimes when you're watching Crunchyroll or Verve, you're like, is this buffering or is this intentional? I'm not sure. And this kind of felt like that, where I was like, wait, this just happened three times. Is this supposed to happen? I'm not. Oh, okay. It's intentional. So our final kind of section that we talk about is some of the general thoughts that don't necessarily fit into like our previous conversations. And so I kind of want to hear what maybe you liked or what you disliked about the show. Yeah, I think something that works really well in this show is the way that they've broken up the, the vignettes between each episode. Uh, it allows for some variation in the things that they're doing, but still able to focus in on that one room where most of this stuff takes place. And that opens up the field for some really funny kind of possibilities. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about one specific moment that I think we both enjoyed. Uh, there's one part of the show where they are trying to play a word game, and it is a word game where somebody decides a word for you. So like, I would pick a word for mm -hmm. Kayla and I would put it on a piece of paper and she would hold it above her forehead. Yeah. And she's not allowed to know what word it is. Uh, and the goal is to try to goad the person into saying it so that they lose. Right, it's something that you think that they would normally say in their day-to-day -day conversation. And in this particular time that they're playing the game, uh, Miyaki wants to lose because the consequence is that two losers have to go shopping together. So he would get his chance for Kaguya and Miyaki to go shopping. So, so what he ends up doing is putting a, uh, a phrase that he thinks Chica would never say. Which is, check it out. <laughs> and uh, this is unfortunate because as soon as uh, Chica starts playing the game, we realize that she has adopted an alternate persona in which she tries to throw people off the trail so that she won't lose the game, which is that she's a rapper. Yes. Uh, and so as soon as she starts rapping and adding yo to every sentence that she speaks, mm -hmm. uh, the main character who gave her the word is freaking out because she might definitely say check it out at some point. Yep. Uh, so I, I think moments like these are just really interesting. Uh, Chica especially is so good as a character at subverting your expectations and the main character's expectations kind of simultaneously. Yeah, in that episode you get to see a lot of her because of how much she manipulates both of them into winning. Um, it's fantastic. Yeah, she uh, utterly destroys them in this <laughs> game and you, you kind of find out how ruthless she is as a person despite how bubbly and nice she seems. We also see that a little bit in other places where she suddenly like she gives an idea for something they should do for the summer vacation and it's basically like we should go to this haunted cemetery wouldn't that be amazing and you're like what? Yeah because <laughs> I thought Kaguya was the killer. Yes. Um, my thoughts are kind of in the same 
vein. Um, but I, I kind of wanted to focus on the fact that they are constantly in this one room with very few exceptions. Um, the majority of their relationship seems to take place in this room. And so um, I, I like the idea that this show presents itself as this is a show about these two characters and their romance and the fact that they want to confess their feelings for each other, but they want the other one to say it first. And that's all this show presents you. You don't see them outside of this room because that's not where their romance is happening because either they're not in classes together or they're not studying together or whatever. And so the show is saying, this is what's important. It's this romance. And I think in that way, it's it, the room kind of gets personified as a character because it's saying, this is the focus. This is the character, is the romance. Because we don't really care about Kaguya's life outside of the room or Miyuki's, you know, um, academic, you know, studying habits or anything like that. It's we only care about the romance. And so I, I think that's great because some shows, you know, you have the like stereotypical, like, we're going to have the beach episode. We're going to all go to the spa. And this show doesn't really seem to do that because... Their, their lives outside of this romance don't seem to matter to this show. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's, uh, it's a pretty interesting mechanic, and uh, I think if I had any kind of general thoughts going away from this show that are more on the negative side, it's not even that I have a complaint about it. I just am kind of concerned that the formula won't stick up through, you know, 24 episodes. And now with a second season on its way, uh, how long is that going to work uh, of this, you know, one room, three characters kind of doing similar things every vignette? Well, we do know that some characters are going to be added in because we've seen them in the intro. So there's there's a few scenes where you just you see a bunch of random characters and you know they have to come up at some point. What I would love to see is them take this idea that the romance is kind of focused in this room and then as the romance, assumingly, blossoms that it would expand out and then it would naturally come out of that like as their romance kind of spills out from the student council room that we would then see them in more and more places and i think that could be a really great way to let the show grow more naturally yeah hopefully well uh at the end of our show we always ask the same question now, having watched four episodes of Kaguya-sama, Love is War, Kayla, would you watch more of this? I would. I would because I, I tend to be a very like character-driven kind of anime watcher. So if I really get into the characters, then I'm, I'm pretty well invested. And I like these characters. I, I think they're fun. And I, man, I just want to know. Like, apparently, they won't do it this season, but maybe some season they'll, somebody will win and I'll get to see who it is. We'll see. Uh, I would agree. I'm also going to say yes on this one. Uh, this one I'd actually had on our Verve watch list for several months. <laughs> and because we do this podcast, we pretty much don't have free time to watch what we actually want to watch. It's pretty rare. We pretty much just watch whatever the dice tell us to watch. Yes. And then a backlog of... Uh, yeah, and then all the previous shows we've said yes to. <laughs> There aren't that many. No. Um, but this is one that I had heard a lot about, and it kind of seemed like something I'd be interested in. 
and getting into these four episodes, I would definitely keep giving it a chance, and, and hopefully it does nail the formula for a while. All right. Well, I think that wraps up our second live episode, which is exciting. Yay. Um, if you want to learn more about our show, you can visit our website at anamonday.moe. That's anamonday.moe. You can send us questions and comments to anamondaycast. Um, you can find us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of those. And our username is anamondaycast. Yeah, and uh, thanks to Crunchyroll for all of the anime they provide and for the random button which produces these wonderful and wonderfully terrible results. Uh, if you want to follow along with us each week, you can have a link to the current title on our website and social media once you get back to land and have internet. Yes. Uh, and you can find these shows on Crunchyroll or Verve. Um, we really like Verve because it's got uh, all of Crunchyroll. Yeah. It's also got the long since... Uh, Left Alone, My Brother, My Brother and Me yes, show. <laughs> Rip, CISO, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of other kind of nerdy fun stuff all in one package. Yeah. It's really cool. And all the 90s like cartoons you could ever watch. Oh yeah, a lot of Nick 90s cartoons yeah. too. Uh, thanks also to C2A for providing the intro and outro music for our show. Those come from the Senpai EPs, which are available on his Bandcamp and other streaming services. So normally the way that we do the next roll is we would just have a laptop and connect to the internet and hit the random button. But we knew we weren't gonna have internet on the boat. So I painstakingly rolled 20 times on Crunchyroll and uh, picked 20 shows. And Colin's gonna roll a dice. We have RPG <laughs> dice here because we're yes. on a nerd boat. Yes, so Colin will roll the dice and whatever number he picks, that's, that'll be the show that we end up watching. After she produced this list, I did go through it and <laughs> verify like we haven't seen any of these and mm -hmm. uh, they're all like a reasonable length because we don't usually do like super short form, right. four minute episodes. Um, and I can tell you for sure that there is only one on this list that I know that is decent. <laughs> there are a lot I know that are not good. And there's some we don't know And all. many that I've never <laughs> heard of. All right. Here we go. Random, random button, random <laughs> roll thing. Mm -hmm. Three, two, one. What's the number? It is a 10. Uh, good luck. <laughs> oh God. Okay, we are going to watch. This is the one that I do know. Okay. <laughs> We're going to be watching Shin Sakai Yori from the New World. Okay. <laughs> uh, and the first episode is called The Season of New Leaves. All right. I have no idea what the show is. I usually don't. <laughs> I made it through like 10 episodes. Oh, okay. Well, I've seen some of it. Before. I only have to watch four, so. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we said we would do, if we still have time, we would do a little Q&A. Yeah. If we wanted to, if people had questions. We do have some time. Questions, anyone? It doesn't have to be about this. It could also just be about our podcast. That's okay too. Yeah. Uh, we really appreciate everyone coming out. I uh, yeah. hope you had some fun. Uh, obviously, we've, we've got some business cards with us too if you want to take something home. Yeah. Uh, but as soon as you got internet, uh, check <laughs> it out at annymonday.moe. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>